Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. But the thing that I want to do today is challenge you to see how what happened 2,000 years ago, Jesus rising from the dead, how does that affect your here and your now, right now? How, how does what Jesus did 2,000 years back affect you and your family in a worldwide pandemic where possibly you just lost your job, where possibly you or someone you know just had a family member pass, where, where, where currently now you're battling depression and anxiety and fear and doubt. How, how is Vernon's story, somebody that got, that got hooked on drugs at 12 years old, how, how does what happened 2,000 years back affect the here and now of your life, Vernon's life, and the whole world around us? But, but here's the thing. I think before we do that, we've got to know a couple things about the resurrection before we dive, dive in. First off, we've got to understand the centrality of the resurrection in the Christian faith. Paul, who was, a, you know, who was, who was one of the founders of Christianity, um, essentially stated this, that, that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then Christianity is stupid. Christianity has no point. There is nothing distinct. There, there is n- nothing different about Christianity if Jesus did not rise from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, 15, Paul actually says this here in verses 12 through 19. He says this here. He, he says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we, were, we are then found to be false witnesses about God for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. The, then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, all, we are above all people to be pitied. Let me point out to you the five things that Paul says here about if Jesus did not raise. He said, first off, preaching is useless. It's dumb. He says, faith is useless. He said that we are still in our sins. He said the dead are lost. And then he said, we are to be pitied. If Jesus Christ, if that, is, if that did not happen, then Christianity is pointed. There is nothing distinct about it. Honestly, Christianity is built on the fact that a dead guy rose from the grave and beat death. It is central, y'all. But, but the thing is, even beyond that, I think some, some people, even though they've been in church for so long, have a really hard time truly understanding what the resurrection did and the purpose of it, right? Let me see if I can somehow illustrate this. Um, the thing is the Bible is clear that we've all 
sin, Romans 3.23 says it. And sin is just, is, is just a churchy word that means we all have inwardly and outwardly disobeyed God and, God and followed a way that we thought was best instead of God's best. And because of that, scripture says that sin leads to death. And you can see this from the very beginning in Genesis, Adam and Eve's sin brought death both physically and spiritually. They were separated from God. And with this separation, people have tried to create pathways back to God, you know, whether it's through, through, through good works to pay their cosmic karma, maybe through enough meditation so they could become one with God. But all of these ways were like putting, were, were like putting band-aids on gaping wounds. What we needed was a savior, somebody to come and help us out of the pit that we dug for ourselves and put ourselves in. So Jesus, who was God, came and lived. And, and, and this is where you, you get the four, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. People saw and they, and they attested to and wrote down accounts of Jesus's life. And in these accounts. They testified to the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life. He helped people, healed people, loved those who cursed him, healed those who hated him, provided for those who perpetrated him, and ultimately gave his life for those who despised him. He was sentenced to die the worst kind of death, a death on a cross. And the point of his death, as scripture says, was to be a sacrifice for the sins that all of us have committed in thought, deed, action, and motive, all of it. And the sacrifice would pay a debt, pay a cost that we could not pay to God. And as I said last week, the final thing that Jesus said on the cross was it is finished, meaning a debt had been paid for past, present, and future sins. And because of this payment, the barrier, sin was dealt with and taken away. So now we can, by grace, through faith, have access to God. Now, the thing that was different about Jesus's death, because Jesus did die, is he did die, yes, but the thing was his spirit was not contaminated because Jesus didn't sin. And because Jesus didn't sin, though he went into and experienced death, death could not hold him down because the spirit of God within him was never contaminated by sin. Therefore, Jesus's death he went to death's door, entered it, but unlike anybody on this planet, he just didn't go in, he came out. Think about it this way. Jesus, like, just like every human being, went into the doorway of death physically. And, and at the same time, everybody spiritually. But at the same time, Jesus went in to the door of death but because Jesus never sinned, he could not be held down. Death could not have a final, a final hold on him. And so Jesus did what no one else in the history of planet earth ever did. He beat down the door of death and, and said, yo, death has been beaten. But the thing is, he did not just beat death for us. Death's door is now wide open. And what, and what Jesus said is, I just don't want to, to beat death. I want to help you beat death. So put your faith and trust in what I did on the cross in your place and for your sin and follow me out of death. We sang that song earlier. I ran out of that grave. That's exactly what that song is saying. <laughs> that... Yo, when the, the thing is, when you find Christ, you find life and you find eternal life. You find eternal hope. 
And so Jesus, so, so y'all look, that's what we've got to know and, and, and see and be convinced of that Jesus did, did not just die, but Jesus rose again and he defeated death. That is what we're celebrating today. The fact that Jesus defeated death. Now, you're like, John, that's all great and good. I get the door. Yeah, okay, great. But now what does that mean for me right here and right now with, uh, in my situation, what I'm walking through and going through? Because it's like, that's all good. Easter, we'll celebrate it. But what happens on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, thir- Thursday? I, w- I want to give you a few thoughts. First off, the resurrection meets the longing of our hearts. And let me explain this. We as a society have been trying to beat death for years We've been trying to find the fountain of youth. We've been trying, well, let's eat better. Let's go to Whole Foods and get blueberries and get spinach and, and, pay, get, and just give our whole paycheck to Whole Foods so we can try to just eat better and just so we can live a few years longer. We have instinctively inside of us a desire and drive to live. Even our body, when, when our body hurts, the, the body, it recognizes that and it, and it fights to live, even Google itself has gotten involved in this thing of trying to live, to live longer. Like literally, Google was trying to beat death. They started a project in 2013 called Project Calico with the goal of saying, "How can we beat death?" But here's the thing: I believe that that longing in us to live long, that desire in us to not want to die, is actually a God-given. Desire, And here's the thing. I think that desire, that longing inside of us points to something greater. This is what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for some other world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to what? arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings. And on the other, um, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or an echo or a mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press onto that country and to help others do the same. That desire in us to live is actually a doorway to the very thing that Jesus offers us. And that is life. Jesus called himself the resurrection and the life. He said, those who, those who believe in me will never trade will never taste ultimate death, but they will have eternal life. And what does this give us? It gives us joy. You can have a joy in the, in the center of this pandemic because you know that ultimately you have life. You have life. Secondly though, the resurrection then becomes a lens that we see the world through. The resurrection doesn't just meet our hearts longing. The resurrection now becomes a lens that we see the world through. The thing is that though we see death, though we see pain, though we see hurt, though we see brokenness, we know it's not the, that, the, that is not how the story ends. 
that what we are currently in is we are in one scene of the story. The, the, we know ultimately Jesus beat death. He destroyed death. And uh, you know what? We might seem like we are in a, in, in a portion of the story where there is death around us. But here's the thing. And C.S. And C.S. Lewis said this too, which I think is a great quote. He said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by, but, uh, but because by it, I see everything else. And when we put the resurrection as central, it can actually be a lens for us that though we see death, we know that life is right around the corner. I heard one, theolo- one theologian say this here. We live... We live in a Genesis 3 world, which in Genesis 3, for those of you who don't know, when Genesis 3 is where sin and brokenness and guilt and shame and the blame game happen. It's where Adam and Eve sinned. We live in a Genesis 3 world with a, with a Genesis 2 design, which in, which in Genesis 2 was where, which is where God created the world. Everything was good. We've got that desire in us. We live in a Genesis three world with a Genesis two desire heading towards Revelation 21, which where we see in Revelation 21, that is pretty much where the story, this, the story ends. And, and just a small portion of that story, Revelation 21, four tells us, uh, let me just, let me turn there really quick. Revelation 21, four, it says this here. It says, he will wipe Every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things have passed. What he's saying, Jesus defeated death and at the end, he will come. He will bring justice. He will make wrongs, wrongs right. He will get things straight. And we have this. And what does this put, put inside of us as we put the resurrection on and see, and see, and see life through it? We get hope. We got y'all as Christians, we should be the most hopeful people on the planet. Why? Because we, because we just don't see what's going on now. We see through eyes of hope. We suffer with hope. We grieve with hope. We fight with hope. We love with hope. Hope is what gives Christians oxygen in this contaminated world that we are, that we are inundated with. The resurrection is a, it, it meets a longing of our, hearts too. The resurrection is a lens that we see the world through. And finally, the resurrection is a lifestyle. The resurrection doesn't just have to be something that we, that we celebrate today. And too many people celebrate the, the resurrection without actually experiencing it. It's just a celebration. It's just a day to get dressed up and go to your favorite restaurant and go and get a warm, tingly feeling at a, at, at a service. But this time you're at your house, right? It, the resurrection isn't just something we celebrate. It is an experience that you can have and walk in right now. It is a lifestyle. And that is the challenge today. Don't just celebrate Easter, experience it. I love what Paul said, Romans chapter eight, verse 11, he said this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God uh, raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. What is Paul saying here? The same spirit that raised Jesus out of the dead, the same spirit that broke open the doorway of death, that busted open death, it actually can live inside of you as a follower of Jesus Christ. 
that as you walk in this life, you can walk in confidence, in boldness, in security. And why? Because you know the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus lives in you. Here's the thing. The resurrection did not just happen. It happens. I've experienced it. Over 2 billion people on this planet have experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The resurrection does not just happen, it happens. And I'm telling you today, I've seen it. And if there's anything that I would want for you on this day, it is for you to not just celebrate, but experience it and to know the resurrection did just happen, but it happens. You guys saw the first part of Vernon's story. A life full of death, a life full, full of hopelessness. Watch, watch this second part and see what God does. Through all of this, I knew of God, but never knew I could have a relationship with him. I came to the point where I had to come to terms with my addiction. But by the grace of God, I was given an opportunity to seek help and checked into a substance abuse program. In that program, they had a choir made up of military veterans whose common goal was to sing praises to God and stay clean. When I joined that group, I was immediately given a solo. Yeah, the drug user who denied God's love, his existence, and even condemned others who believed in him had a solo in the gospel choir. I remember that day very well. It was at a minister's conference in Hampton and the place was packed. It was 15,000 people. I had my eyes closed the whole time. And when I opened up my eyes, I saw all of those people. God decided to speak to me at that moment. And I, I held it together musically well, on the inside, I was tore up. But God spoke to me and I felt this, I felt this forgiveness. I felt this love come over me, a love that I didn't think that I deserved. It was right there in the middle of that solo, a solo about forgiveness and how God looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. God told my dead heart to beat again, and it did. My emotional and spiritual wall broke down at that moment and immediately felt a peace and love I'd never felt before. I went from death to life in that very moment. And my life as I knew it has never been the same. Grace rewrote my story. Even after some of the failed marriages, God gave me my wife, Lauren, who also loves the Lord with all her heart. I couldn't have found a better mate to take this faith journey with. I didn't do anything to earn this love and grace. All I did was say yes. 
yes to Jesus and surrender to his relentless pursuit of me. Even though I have a past, it is not who I am anymore. Jesus paid the price for my sin. He died for me. I am alive in him now and forever. Just like the song we sing says, he called my name and I ran out of that grave. Death to life. The resurrection does not just happen, it happens. And Vernon's story shows us. And you know what? You might be out there and you might say, I've, that is me. Well, here's the thing. We want to say no matter how much death you've experienced, no matter, you know, no matter how much death you feel, there's life available today. I love what Philip Yancey says. He says this, in many respects, I find an, an unresurrected Jesus easier to accept. Easter makes him dangerous. Because of Easter, I have to, to listen to his extravagant claims and can no longer pick and choose from his sayings. Moreover, Easter means he must be loose out there somewhere. And he is loose out there, I believe, right now, knocking on the door of your hearts and saying, I'm here to give you life. I'm here to give you hope. I'm here to give you joy. That longing inside of you for life, Jesus is saying, I am exactly what you have been looking for. He's loose out there and he wants to give you life. And that is why the final thing, the resurrection is this, an invitation. It's an open invitation to anybody, no matter, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. The invitation to a resurrection life is for you. Philip Yancey, he also said this here. He said, Jesus was the first world leader to inaugurate a kingdom with a heroic role for losers. He spoke to an audience raised on stories of wealthy patriarchs, strong kings, and victorious heroes. Much to their surprise, he honored instead people who have little value in the visible world, the poor and meek, the persecuted, and those who mourn, social rejects, the hungry and thirsty. His stories consistently featured the wrong people as heroes, the prodigal, not the responsible son, the good Samaritan, not the good Jew, the Lazarus, not the rich man, the tax collector, not the Pharisee. As Charles Spurgeon expressed it, his glory was that he laid aside his glory and the glory of the church is when she lays aside her respectability and, and her dignity and counts it to be her glory to gather together the outcasts. And that is what Jesus is saying today. Come one, come all. My arms are wide open. There is resurrection life on Resurrection Sunday available to you. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.